Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 231. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. We are in Las Vegas, and it is a hot August afternoon, that time of the year where you just start saying, all right, summer, I'm ready for you to be done. <laughs> and as Cold Coffee joins me right now, I'll just tell you, we'll peel back the curtain a little bit. <laughs> just before we started recording, uh... In the learn something new every day category. Unfortunately, learn something new. And also, how dumb are you, Morgan category. <laughs> uh, I have damaged my computer, my, yeah, my, my laptop here, basically the lifeblood of how I make a living, mm-hmm. of how we mm-hmm. provide content for MMA Junkie, of how we do everything. I mean, this is my ball and chain. I am strapped to this bad boy. It's true. Damn near 24-7. And so I have it's the one thing that always comes on vacations. One hundred percent, and it is uh, now it has a broken mouse pad. Cold Coffee is, is on a whole different side of things. He got a brand new computer delivered yes. to him today. I was here as it arrived, courtesy of the fine folks at USA Today. Uh, you, you got a brand new computer because you were having issues with your old one. They got you a new one. And as you were unpacking it, uh, me, I just wanted to see the box and see the details. And we were we were literally smelling the box because it was a new computer box. Checking out the specs, I was trying to read the. I was I was seeing what you had on there, and the power power adapter or whatever. Yeah, the big square. square, You know, if you if you know a Mac, you know what I'm talking about. That big square. It was still in the box, and I didn't think about that. And it fell, and when it fell, it fell directly onto my mouse pad, which shattered. It's crazy. It's I, I had no idea that no little idea. mouse pad that you see in the in the little mm-hmm. front part of your Mac, if you have one. I, we we both had MacBook Pros, so I'm assuming uh, maybe you know every MacBook Pro is like this. But there's some kind of glass on there. Glass I guess. or like yeah, because it's it looks definitely glass and not like or maybe some sort of super thin plastic. That yeah, it could be plastic. It could be like, plastic. Like but glass. the way it broke, it shattered almost like glass. It Literally, does, it does. Now that I look at, pr- probably some kind of just really fine plastic or something. But yeah, there's, super fine. There's a, so, but but here, like I've looked at this a million times and I've never thought that there was like a, some sort of film or no, cover. Not for a moment. Not, not at all. Well, so here's the funny thing: is that uh, I leave on Sunday for Abu Dhabi. Uh, <laughs> I am the video guy in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Mike, the young Mike Bond will be there with me. Fatah Hanoun will be there as well. Is she really? Yeah, so she'll be there as well. She was actually already going to be there before she came on board the MMA Junkie team. So we're all going to work together there. But I'm going to be the video guy, which means I'm going to be heavily uh, intensive on my MacBook here. And I've got a wounded uh, soldier here helping me out. So uh, what Scotch we have done... tape and everything. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what we have done here is some high-level... Repairs on the mm-hmm. fly because there's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to be able to get to an Apple store and get it back and repaired in time. Uh, we just took some Scotch tape and, and we put, and, and, and I laid down some Scotch tape over the cracks uh, and, and hopefully that'll keep everything in place. I did thank you. It, it looks like it literally for somebody. Uh, so think if uh, if you're ever driving around the road and you're unfortunate enough on the highway that a, a pebble hits your window and then you get that little spider web. There you go. And then it starts to spread out from that. That literally is what has happened to his mouse pad. And it's funny because it, it dropped. And at first I thought, oh, man, it left like a imprint on the thing. And then I looked closer and I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's literally shattered. Yep. And for a moment, 
we just both kind of dumbfoundedly stared at his mouth pad like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and it's it's the most bizarre thing because, yeah, you have like that crack, that, that spider webbing out a good two, three inches yeah. from the impact. It, uh, by the end, of, I bet by the end of your trip, it stretches all the way it'll out. probably stretch all the way out. I but hopefully, hopefully the tape will, will stop it. But uh, luckily I had a uh, wireless mouse pad or wireless mouse that uh, I used to travel with that because I would bring a, a mouse pad and actually when I was trying to edit, I was like, oh, I maybe that. I'll use this. I and then that. after a while, I was like, all right, it, it was more stuff to carry than I wanted to, so I haven't had it, but... Uh, fortunately, I have that, so that so yeah. I do have a can... backup plan if this thing yeah. fails. So don't worry if anybody from USA Today or MMA Junkie is listening. Don't worry, we got a backup plan. <laughs> We're gonna be able to operate. Uh, and then here's the really bad part: is that this is my wife's computer that I've been oh, using no. since December because my computer. Uh, if anybody will remember that, well, I'm sure we talked about this in the, the road coffee? show as well. Yeah, I spilled coffee in my other computer. I thought you got that all squared no, away. No, no, no. It's still sitting there in my office, and I just so haven't have taken to take it by. Oh, good yeah, I haven't Lord. gotten that repaired. Uh oh. So I, this is my wife's computer. Uh, Luckily, she doesn't listen to this podcast at all. So <laughs> she'll never know. <laughs> she'll never, she'll never know. know. Uh, so I've got to get two <laughs> computers repaired now. So I don't know why my dog. Like I'm gonna have to take some vacation days to get things fixed. But that's what sucks. Yeah, because I mean, there's no easy fix. Especially something like this, because you you can't just be like, oh hey, drop in and hey, I'll come back in an hour. Yeah, you know, they got to ship have to it leave off somewhere. It. Yeah, somebody's gonna have to take it. But uh, wow, there you go. So this literally happened. I mean, like right before we pressed record. So probably less than thirty minutes before we dealing started with a little bit of a shock as I, as I do this. But hey, uh, we carry on. We carry on. And you know what? It's par for the course. It's par for the course right now because I've had. This nonstop is true. You know, the last uh, road show, I sat down. I recorded it at American Top Team, which was a fantastic day, media day out there. I talked about the adventures I'd had the week before, you know, the whole getting from Atlantic City to yep. Anaheim and how rough that night was and everything. Um, and, and truthfully, it was funny because somebody called me on, on Twitter. I was talking about the Bellator event really quick. You know, hey, here's what to watch. And, and, and somebody was like, and I think it might have been Joe from – Joe from H-Town, I don't know. But it, somebody was saying, how, how the hell did you not mention Nick Newell? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I didn't mention Nick Newell because bottom line was I was trying so fast to finish the podcast because I saw the time, my, my window of departure kind of closing, and I was like, I was just hurrying. I, I, was, I, was, I was, you know, just trying to get finished. Uh, so I almost was late to getting to the airport. Uh, I was connecting from Fort Lauderdale to Charlotte, then Charlotte back to Vegas. So I was rushing to get the podcast finished. Forgot about Nick Newell on the Bellator event, which was ridiculous. Uh, but got it done. That get, was something. Get to Fort Lauderdale. Get to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I, I fly from there. I made it just in time, just a few minutes. Uh, fortunately, my, the, my plane was delayed like 10 minutes. That actually helped me. That 10-minute delay helped me make it. And then, I, and then I, I got to Charlotte, connected to Charlotte. And then as I got to Charlotte, my flight's delayed. And it keeps getting delayed like it's it's delayed an hour, and then after an hour, they delay it like another 30 minutes, and then another 30 minutes, and then another 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, listen, you and I, we we spent a lot of time on the road. I knew what was about to happen. I, I called my wife, and I was like, listen, I don't think I'm going to get home tonight. They keep delaying this thing 30 minutes. But the, the thing about it, and, and there were storms in the area. I mean, there was rain. There was a reason for it. But when they do that, uh, especially when you're talking about flights that are going to be four or five hours, now you're going to run into crew issues because your crew can True. only work so long. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't. They didn't have enough. The, the crew timed out at some mm. point, and uh, and so anyway, the flight finally gets canceled at, at three a.m. It's like three o'clock in the morning right now. I I left my house 
at 2 o'clock in the afternoon the previous day. Uh, flew to Florida, uh, slept in the airport, or slept on the uh, on the plane, did, went to Denny's, went to American Top. I mean, it's been a long day, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and the flight gets canceled finally. I get really, really lucky because there was a, a, a direct flight from Charlotte to Vegas at like 7 o'clock in the morning. And they put me on that, no problem, right? So that's that. That was cool. That worked out great it, it, because I could have had to stay there like longer in the day, right? Fortunately, by the time they canceled the flight, we're only talking about four hours from now, so I can deal with that. Granted, I'm exhausted and all that, but it's only about four hours, so I, I felt pretty fortunate at the time. The, the only problem was it's three o'clock in the morning. We're in the Charlotte airport. There, there's not time to leave or anything like that. The 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 club, the American Airlines Admirals Club which I'm fortunate to have a membership there. Great place. You can, you can normally, you know, catch some sleep in there, a little food, maybe get a shower, whatever. But it, it opened at like 4.45 in the morning. It's 3. So I've got an hour and 45 minutes. I can't stay awake any longer. I, I'm exhausted. I tried. I can't stay awake any longer. Uh, I, like, I, I got to sleep. So uh, there were like three planes that were canceled. There was really no place to sit. There was no, play, like no, no good chairs or anything. There were actually people, by the way, pro tip, I saw people. You know how at the at the security uh, security counter they have like long tables to like look at stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. There were people laid out on those because it's on the closed. Tables? Yeah, on the table, but they're fully laid out. I was like, good for you. That wow. is a veteran move there. Those were all taking everything. So finally, I just ended up having to to sleep. Is that more comfortable than the floor? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, what if you fucking really go out and then you roll, roll your off ass of off it? <laughs> I didn't think about That's that. That's what I would think I would do is I would roll the fuck off of it. That would be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> well, maybe not a pro tip then. Maybe an amateur move. But uh, I thought I was, they looked comfortable. That's where you set your friends up. You're like, bro, just go ahead. I'll take the floor. You take the security table, bro. You go ahead table, and take bro. the table. You go yeah, take the table. I, I thought it was a veteran move. but So finally I just lay down and I, uh, I, I, I slept on the floor. And uh, – it, that it, sucks. It, it, it sucks. happens. 41 years old, 4 a.m. in the morning, up for 36 hours already or whatever at that point, sleeping on the floor. Uh, it was not It was not pleasant. I didn't enjoy it. But uh, but I will say this. I was sitting there, sleeping on the floor, hadn't showered in, like I said, 36 hours, feeling exhausted. But you think I was worried? Mm-mm. No, I wasn't worried. You know why? Why is that? Crop preserver. Oh, yeah. That's right. I was sporting my Crop Preserver ball deodorant from Manscaped.com, and I knew I was all good. This week, cold coffee support for the MMA Roadshow comes from the fine folks at Manscaped, who are number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, sometimes MMA can be a barbaric sport, but that doesn't mean we as fans have to be heathens. No, Mm-mm. sir. Mm-mm. Do yourself and your partner a favor and keep things in check around the old tan banana. And I'm telling you right now, use Manscaped to do it. If you're like me, you're already among the civilized gentlemen keeping things nice and neat around the old trouser snake's humble abode. But it's never been this easy before. Let's be honest. Who among us hasn't suffered a little a little nick in the old frankenbeans? You know what I'm saying? The old bone ranger is durable. But he's sensitive, too. A little cut here or there on the one-eyed monster is no good for anyone. Mm-mm-mm. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. And if you want to go even tighter and give a clean shave to the dictator, you can, you can follow up with the plow, which mm. comes with instructions. And this is real, on the instructions. It has actual instructions that say, pull the skin taut and visualize a hairless chihuahua. True story. Whoa. With Manscaped, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. 
But what is the old clam hammer being? I can't even say it. <laughs> being nice and tidy have to do with me sleeping on the airport floor, you ask? Well, Manscaped doesn't just have trimming supplies. They've got grooming products of all types, including the pre-mentioned crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. I mean, you already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? You're one and only bald-headed sailor. Get yourself feeling right. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROAD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And be sure to use the code ROAD. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. They will thank you. They will. So all told, it ended up being like a 44-hour trek for me to get back from American Top Team. Uh, but that was a great day. All that stuff is up on uh, the YouTube page. It's on MMA Junkie. Make sure you check out all the interviews we had. Colby Covington, George Masvidal. Uh, got got in touch with Greg Hardy. Somebody actually called me out and said they uh, they they were disappointed in me for, for giving him any airtime whatsoever. Uh, but once <laughs> I got back, I uh, – that shit never goes away. It never does. People like they just want us to never talk to him again. To never talk to him at all. It's uh, not going to happen, folks. We're going to talk to him. We're going to talk to him. He's out there. He matters. <laughs> uh, then, so if I wasn't feeling old enough, uh, at I, least your balls look good. My balls look good. <laughs> but as, if I wasn't feeling old enough, I uh, I got back, and a first stop, of course, was B Dubs. Uh, as yes. you do, got to get a couple frosty <laughs> beverages in. I think your fucking car, even if you try to pass B Dubs, would probably do that uh, auto swerve. Swerves right where over. Where it just goes, doo, 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 takes you right into it. Stopped right there. I walked in the door and I, uh, I ended up just accidentally kicking a chair. Like it just, I mean, it wasn't like their fault. Like I just, I was exhausted, and not really paying attention. Yeah, I was going to say a chair is an yeah, yeah, inanimate object. Yeah, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't it. like it was just out in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to flip. You're not blaming the chair. No, but I, but I kicked it on accident. And uh, ended up breaking breaking my toe from kicking a chair. So, um, pretty embarrassing. I, I'm I'm getting old. Did you old. tell your kid that? Uh, no, did not. My kid is. He my would kid. literally bust your balls. Oh, but your cleanly shaven a th- balls. A thousand percent. He'd be like, Dad, you suck. You are ridiculous. <laughs> He's out there doing grappling tournaments and trying to get a black belt. I'm, I'm breaking the breaking toe. Your, kicking breaking your breaking toes, chair. kicking chairs. Uh, so nothing I can do uh, as it gets better, except basically just kind of stay off it as much as possible. And yeah. Use these liquid painkillers right here. Just award-winning. Award-winning in America right there in a can. Half blue ribbon. That will help you. All right, listen. Uh, all right, let's get into some MMA. As I was heading home, we didn't get a chance to talk about it because Conor McGregor broke his silence, did the big 40-minute-long interview with uh, Ariel Hawani of ESPN. And uh, I, I just – a couple things. I mean, it's, it's been about a week now. Like I said, it happened while I was flying home, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But Yeah, uh, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to give me grief. Oh, why would I give you grief? Because I didn't watch it. You haven't watched it? No. What is wrong? Well, actually, because I'm going to say. I'm just like, I knew what it was going to be, and I was just like, I don't fucking care. I, I was find like, that I don't a little have bit to telling. Do, I don't have to do anything with it. I find that a little bit telling. And you I, know? all right, so let me say this then. First of all, for me, smart way for Connor to do it. Connor gets yeah. it, man. He His his power of social media and power of media, he understands. Yeah. I do one interview, and every outlet in the world is going to pick up on this. I don't need to do a press conference. I don't need to do a call. I need to speak to one outlet, and it will go everywhere. So I, I say props to Connor McGregor. I and think a very a friendly play. outlet. Yeah, a very friendly outlet. Uh it did in watching it, and I, and it's funny because I think what you just said is is very intelligent in many ways. I won't give you grief because it kind of tends, it, it plays into what I was going to say. Is that as I watched it, uh, it just it felt very much to me like it was just something that he had to do. You know, right. I mean, 
and, 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 and he did have to do it, to be honest with you. It's not fun, but yeah. he hasn't addressed any of these things. He hasn't, right. Every time we've reached out to him, he hasn't wanted to say anything, and I get it. That's the thing. Like, he got in trouble multiple times <laughs> without, like, saying anything. Mm-hmm. At least, well, multiple times the things have come out, you know, right. the, the, the father, the rumors of the harassment and the, all the other stuff overseas, you know, and, like, he hasn't said anything, and he just was away from the public. So you knew at some point he had to break his silence, you know. But man, and I think the the, the, the punching the old man right in, in the in the bar that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Everything else along the way, yeah. there were explanations, there were discussions. Yeah. There was like, ah, well, I mean, there, when you saw that video, this is what I said from the beginning. There is no audio, but can you imagine a single scenario in which you would go, oh? I see what Connor was thinking. I see what he was doing. No, I see that. No, the first things that, that I really got because uh, I saw it and I was just like, "What the hell?" I mean, just another moment that just leaves you scratching your head. But when I started seeing uh, some clips and stories of Irish bars that were pouring his whiskey down the toilet and other shit, I was like, "Okay, now now the Irish are starting to say like he's not ours. You know, he's we're not we're not so proud to have him anymore." Okay, but you know what? This is what I think. If he didn't have the whiskey business, right? I don't think he would have done it. I don't think this was about protecting his name as a fighting brand. Sure. I think this was about protecting that whiskey business. I could see that. You know what I mean? That's because he can go. I mean, look, he can. Well, go I mean, back I guess it's part. It's it's part of his brand. I think he, he. It's part of saving his brand. I guess the whole package. Right. Because since that that proper twelve is so tied to his name. If his name goes down, the whiskey goes down. Exit. So I think by not saying anything, he was further hurting just any overall future potential, even outside of the whiskey. Right. You know, whether it be movie deals or something, nobody wants to go cast True. a guy that just did a, uh, you know, just punched an old man. It's in not the to bar. protect his fighting career. He could keep no. fighting. He, he can keep, keep fighting, fighting, or he never has to fight again. At this of point, course. he never, he never has to fight again. He's won belts. He's he's won plenty of money. If he wants to just do circus sideshow fights off to the side. That's fine. I mean, good for him. But to have this business, which is where, you know, this is leaving a legacy that his family can take over. You know, you, you can't just expect your son to take uh, – like your son is not going to take over your fighting business. Right. You know, but your son can take over your whiskey business. Right. Your whatever communication brand, your whatever you want to start. So this is this is important for him to fix – uh, at least the brand to where it won't hurt his business. That's it. You have to acknowledge you know? it. It's a, ver- it's a very professional PR move. Yeah. I mean, it's what you had to do. I will say, and it's again, plays into you saying you didn't even bother watching it. Um, it, it doesn't mean anything to me until, until we see everything over time. I mean, he did yeah. what you're supposed to do. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Let's move forward. And that's cool. But now we got to see, does he change? Does he move forward? And I hope he does, man, because I, I and I've said it before, Covering the rise of Conor McGregor was so fun, man. The energy Fight that that guy so brought to it. Oh, my <laughs> God. They were amazing. I yeah. mean, the, the quick wit, the, the 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 energy, the smile, the laugh. You know what I mean? Just everything about him was – I mean, it was it was fun. It was cool. It was exciting. Yeah. Towards the end – and I shouldn't say towards the end because he could fight another 10 years. But right. I should say more recently, I guess. It's felt more like – a chore to me, to be honest. It hasn't been fun. The and to me, it, it all started with the the El Chapo thing, and then it became about like gangster this and yeah. gangster that. And then well, that was all silly and fun at that time, you know. At least for me, when I'd watch it, it was I was like, okay, that's a little a little just off putting. Like I wasn't so taken back by oh yeah, you want to you know model yourself off of a, a guy that's a fucking drug pin that's 
supposedly orchestrated killing so many loads of people, you know, right. that's okay, that's fine, that's a funny little gimmick. I'm just going to ignore that, but what it used to be, I mean, it was fun watching this rise and really getting joy and watching a person's career just shoot for the moon, Absolutely. you know, become this huge thing. And then at some point it became weird and now it was like watching a downfall of a human being and I found myself now wanting him just to be okay as a human. Yes. And it switched for me thinking of him as a fighter that I'm watching for entertainment somehow in the grand scheme of everything, you know, when you get, you know, but I guess you get tied to these fighters, you get tied to their life. It just, it switched. And uh, not that I'm saying that it's not fun or whatever, but it just like at somewhere it became weird. And now it's like, I'm watching this man's life, whether it's on the precipice of just falling down into just everything is, is crashing and, and falling apart or, you know, are we going to see somebody, you know, get back in there and fight? And, and it's just different because now I don't even th think about, oh, I can't wait to see him fight again. It's just like, man, I just want him to not be in trouble and have us not hear a story. That's it. I mean, listen, you can't fault his methods, I guess, because he, he, he did it. I mean, he lived the dream, right? He came yeah. from nothing and provided he doesn't make bad financial decisions moving forward. He set him and his family up for life They're through set. the fight game. Through right. the fight game. Right? I mean he right. thought outside of the he thought outside of the box. He became the champ champ when Dana never wanted to have a champ champ. Yeah. He got himself the ability to fight in a boxing fight against Floyd Mayweather. We all I mean we sat for on this very podcast that, yeah. when they first started talking about it and said, guys, what are we wasting our time talking about this? It's before? not gonna happen. This is never gonna happen. Right. And Conor McGregor made it happen. You know what I mean? Like you you can't fault what he did he 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 is the dream but you're right i mean i remember i remember this before the chad mendez fight having a big media lunch at uh boa steakhouse in los angeles and and asking him like is this still fun for you because it used to seem fun and now it seems like work and i remember him saying look man this is big business and yeah big business is fun but there's a lot on the line and he's right he took everything serious but you're right man now that i'm around him like and I'm not trying to – I ain't, trust me, I ain't feeling sorry for Conor McGregor. I mean, he's accomplished great things as an athlete. He's accomplished, as we just said, all his financial things for his family. It's amazing. But, yeah, man, you just – it used to be fun, man. It used to – like, it, it, it now it just – it seems like he's – I don't know, man, like mentally breaking or something. Right. It's, it's, and you just, you, you just want him to, to, to make it out okay. Like, and I'm not – that sounds – weird and cliche like and I don't say make it out okay because the guy is going to be fine financially the guy is set barring him doing something absolutely ridiculous you don't think, you don't think Connor's sitting back brand. going man I wish I had the life of John Morgan and yeah. Cole Coffee, man you <laughs> right? know what I mean those guys but, got it but it's like he's he he lived the dream he he did something that you know made practically everybody envious on on this meteoric rise and then no one wants to see the uh, the dream end. You know, I don't want to see the the fairy tale stop and become some bad nightmare at the end when everything crashes. You know, because when you watch, you just like you you always see these stories of these people that seem so successful and seem like everything should be in their the right favor, and then there's these underlying things that eventually lead to. You know, you see suicides like, you know, uh, you know, one of my favorite human beings in all the world, Anthony Bourdain, mm -hmm. I thought had the life, you know, just being served him on a silver platter, everything he wanted to and even then wasn't happy and something caused things to happen. You know, when you see something like this with Connor, it's like the guy should have everything but find some reason to uh, self-destruct at these moments and you just want to see that 
end before too much damage because it's like I like the happy ending. Right now you have the story, you have the happy ending, you know, keep it, bro. Like mm-hmm. don't do something that at some point is just going to end the story and then everybody's going to say, "Man, he could have been could have been one of the greatest ever, you know." I See, mean, that's what I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. So, let's say 20 years from now. I mean, God, you know, hey, if everything works out, like I'd still love to be covering the sport in 20 years, man. That's uh, this is all I want to do in life. I, I I love covering the sport. So 20 years from I hope now, so. I'm, too, I'm getting too old to get to another start damn over. job. <laughs> so 20, going back to In and Out, but I hear the managers make all right money. <laughs> <laughs> I'd I'd love to be one of those you know gray haired old men that people are talking to. Hey, what was this like back in the? But I was thinking about this. Conor McGregor fought in the UFC 11 times. That's all he has. 11 UFC fights. So 20 years from now. If we're talking about Conor McGregor, let's say he never fights again. Let's say he's done. He doesn't come back. You know, he decides he's, he's not. It sounds like he wants to come back. Based on the interview, it sounds like he was naming off names. He was admitting he doesn't have to be a main event. You know, it sounds like he's getting that hunger back. But if for some reason he doesn't didn't. have to be a main where, where would he not be the fucking main I know, event? He'll be a main event. I mean, it'd be one thing if he, uh, if he came back and just got beat two more times. Then maybe he says, Dana, please, let me yeah. just be a co-main somewhere. But you can't not put Connor at top bill. All right, but let's say he doesn't – for whatever reason, let's say he doesn't fight anymore. 11 fights in the UFC. If we're talking about 20 years from now, are we talking about one of the greatest of all time? Or are we, are we just talking about this amazing flash-in-the-pan, once-in-a-generation, uh, I don't want to say one-hit wonder, but you know what I mean? Like just like a meteoric rise, as you said. I mean, he accomplished so much in so little time. But, I mean – longevity of a career has to count. When you start talking about greatest of all time, longevity means something, right? I mean, these accomplishments. Right. You know, I mean, look at like a, a Michael Bisping. Not that I'm suggesting that you, you know, people would call him the GOAT, but I mean, there's something to be said for just the, the, the length, the tenure of work that he put in there. Of course, the Cowboy Cerrones of the world, the, you know, the, uh, the Jim Millers of the world, you know, these people that have these huge resumes. It's interesting because – Connor has actually soared to heights higher than any of those names. Yeah. But when you're talking about career as a whole, you know, do you respect more people that put it in for for longer times or whatever? I, I don't know. I just I find it I really mean, if interesting. You, if you can give Ronda Rousey a, a Hall of Fame thing, I mean, I think Connor's already earned it. True. You know, I True. mean, if if he doesn't fight, just being the the first champ, champ, what he's been able to do and shape the game and how he's changed it, a lot of people credit Ronda with being like this pioneer of the women's sport and yes she was definitely one that brought it to the masses would I say that she is a pioneer as opposed to say like Gina Carano or Julie Kedzie and some of those no like that's a pioneer for me Rhonda just took it to a whole nother level but she was able to make it in the Hall of Fame so if Connor still never fought again I still think he has done enough especially with being the first champ chip and what he did to the sport bringing it to the masses Absolutely. to a whole nother level um that it's worthy. They're, they'll find some reason to put him in there, but I think it would be valid. It wouldn't just be a marketing thing, right? No, it, it, be would, be, it would be valid. I, I mean, valid. I, I think I especially that. when the, you you have the fact of his impact on the sport has been his impact so on the sport. Big. The first championship. Now that's like a thing. Yeah. It's became a thing, and at one point it was it was unheard of. Dana wouldn't allow. Dana it. would never allow somebody to fight for another belt outside of their belt. You know, and uh, think about that. Even watch how that's changed now, where. With Connor, it was like, okay, we're going to let you do the champ champ, but you got to give one up and defend the other. So it wasn't even – so even though he let him get the champ champ, I don't even think even Dana thought at the beginning we're going to have you these people defending. I agree. And now 
If Amanda wants to defend it, Amanda can defend it. If DC wanted to defend it, DC could defend it. Yep. You know, like it's it's this but whole Cejudo thing. But Cejudo better think about Benavides. <laughs> but Cejudo better think about Benavides. If you're cringy, you don't get to do both yeah. unless you do them on my <laughs> schedule. So, I mean, and that that is a credit to what Connor did for this sport. So you can never take that away. So, I mean, with that right there and just outside of just, you know, the amount of money that he helped probably bring to oh. the sport – that they they could come up with a category about you know the the Hall of Fame for the the all time money maker or biggest selling <laughs> pay per view or something, but the guy's worthy. So yeah, I mean even if he never fought again, and in twenty years they're still talking about it. I think maybe not in terms of maybe the greatest ever, but maybe one of the greatest uh, showmen or greatest. Whether it be the title, because you're right. I mean we don't have the you couldn't tell you couldn't you don't tell. have the defenses, but you can't take away from the huge impact that he he did towards the UFC at least. You could not retell the history of the UFC or retell the history of MMA and not have a chapter about Conor McGregor. Right. You couldn't. Right. It wouldn't be fair. But right. he doesn't have the 10-year accomplishment. So I don't But listen, I do hope he comes back. And when he comes back, I do I, I you know, I don't know that he could get that boyish energy again or whatever, but I would love to see some positivity. I would love to see that passion, that love cuz it's intoxicating, man. That passion is fun, man. And and uh, I'd love to see it back. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about fights. I mean, he named a lot of names. Um I, I was kind of looking at names. I mean, we've talked about it all along, right? This next fight, it's uh, the matchmaking is important, right? I mean, Sure. I, I know he'd fight Habib again. Now Habib's got to get through Poirier and all that. Right. Or may, maybe Habib doesn't have to get through Poirier. Maybe if Habib lost to Poirier for some reason, Connor would still want to face him just to get that, you know, that L back. Um, but I, I don't like either that one matchup. of those guys. I mean, if that did happen, I mean, just imagine I could see him say Dustin pulls it out. I could easily see him, even though the Khabib would do more money. Right. He also has that win over uh, over. Uh, uh. Dustin, I he could wanna, easily go back. You but don't he, want him to walk back into a title fight. But though, no, but you? that's the thing. But he could easily say, hey, Dustin, yeah. you want a chance to get that win back? You know, you really want to be the whatever? Yep. And, of course, Dustin's going to say, yes, let's do it. You know, I mean. I mean, you've got, yeah, you're right. You've got fights right there with Dustin. you got fights with Max. Um, Dustin, Khabib, you got Tony. I kind of like Iaquinta. Kind of like Ally Quinta. If I'm, if I'm, con- yeah. Now, this is not the biggest money fight for the UFC. This, I don't think this would be as right. big as those fights we just talked about. I mean, that's a huge A side over over yeah. a, Al, who is a fan favorite, and those that love MMA, like the, if you are a diehard MMA, but like Al, just like I could say Al's named my family. No, like, clue. No, no, no clue. No clue. No clue at all. No, that's no disrespect to Al. No, nothing it's at all. I think Al's He's not a, mainstream. He, that that's it. That's it. That's a good way of putting it. So I mean, like that would almost. <laughs> I could already hear Connor if he wanted to shit talk that during the fight week, that would come out. But Al, I mean, it would be a great fight. But St- that's what I'm saying. Stylistically, I think, I just I think, think Connor. I think I Connor wants con- two sides of the coin though when he wants to come in because I think he realizes that if he wants to come in, he doesn't want it to all just be him doing all the work of promoting this. He wants to have somebody equally that can do some work. Khabib does that. Uh, Diaz does that. Yeah. Dustin doesn't do that. I mean, Dustin is another one where I love Dustin. I could say it to my family, they're not going to know who right. he is. Diehards know who he is. This fight with uh, Khabib, if if he could beat Khabib, that will put him on the map globally. Yes. I think the people that already know him know him. But if you go to Russia or anywhere overseas and say, who's the guy fighting Khabib? I bet they say, I, I don't know. Yep. American. An American's fighting him. You know, but this is the one that I think would make if he beats Khabib, he will become 
this will be the first step in making Dustin a a global massive star. Be massive. It would be huge. Cowboy would be a good fight as well. Cowboy. Cowboy, just because Cowboy, like my family knows Cowboy. Of course. So like that is a good one. Um, the only one I don't want to see. I was the only fight. This is funny. The only fight I don't want to see <clears throat> is I don't want to see Tony Ferguson. I know that sounds Not right weird. Away. I just don't think Tony Ferguson should have to fight again. I think it would be wrong to make Tony Ferguson fight uh, to to make him fight Connor. I think Tony That's, Ferguson deserves that'd be huge the next money. title. That'd shot. be huge money though. I, I bet if you offered Tony that, knowing that that would be a main event on a pay per view, getting points. If he gets points, yeah, yeah. If he gets he points, would, I don't see where he, why he would ever want to turn that down. If he gets because points. that would be that would be bigger than him just going and uh, that's fair. I think taking on. I'll I'll make a caveat. If <clears throat> if El Kakui gets points, then I'm in. I just feel like he's done enough, man. Like he, oh, he's definitely you know done enough. I mean? He's definitely done enough. But I think he also knows that he wants to provide for his family long term, and like that kind of fight, that's life changing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably easily with points is easily a difference of like a million dollars. Probably. Oh, for sure. You know, maybe that's lowballing. I'm just throwing out a, the first big I number, agree. but I—that's got to be probably at least a million dollar difference than just picking up a regular title fight against, you know, whoever. Whoever. You know. Well, I hope I hope, I hope Connor is I hope Connor is back. Um, I, I, and I hope I hope he's back 100. All right, let's let's talk about it. let's shift directions entirely. But another kind of crazy story from this past week was was BJ Penn. Oh man, man, uh, another street fight. Um. I don't even know where to go with this because I, but I mean, we have to talk about it. BJ Penn, the, the thing that really, I guess I'm feeling right now is that I just, I feel, I feel bad, man. I feel bad. You know, I, it's, it's a pattern of behavior and none of us are perfect, man. But, and, and, and you know, there's people saying that, uh, you know, his supporters are coming out saying that it was, you know, it, he was kind of instigated. It wasn't him that was starting it and all that. And it's like, okay, cool. But, Dude, I mean, I'm 41 years old. I think BJ is 40 at this point. I think we're right around the same age. Do you know what it would take for me to get in a bar fight, man? I mean, like, too too old to be in in bars fighting, man. It's just it's just sad, man. And and I hate to see it. And I don't know where to go with it. You know, Dave Doyle came out and wrote a pretty strong opinion piece. You know, he's been writing some columns lately, which is is cool to see. You know, he's he's letting his opinion be known. And you know, he said, "Listen, it's time for the UFC to cut this guy, man. They gotta cut ties with him. They gotta get rid of him." And I get it, man. I do understand that, but I'm kind of torn on the subject, man, because I feel like right now, BJ doesn't need an organization to turn their back on him. I feel like BJ needs help. Yeah. I feel like he needs support, man. And yeah. And and I don't know what the right situation is because I, I I see people like listen the dude has lost seven fights in a row that is unprecedented especially for a UFC Hall of Famer seven fights in a row is incredible but I will say this and I, I know this I'm not trying to make excuses or I'm not trying to justify or anything like that I will say this he has lost seven in a row if you're looking at a silver lining I guess or a bright side they have been spaced out over the course of eight years it's not like he suffered seven knockouts in a row and it's not like he's suffered seven losses in a row over the course of two years, you know what I mean, where there's just repeated brain trauma over and over and over immediately. I mean, he's had space in between these fights. Um, so, I mean, there are 
I don't know. I guess there's like some some silver linings or whatever to the reason they were willing to give him another fight. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't hate the way he looked in his last fight. And, and that's what I think should be the judgment. Do, do I think do I do I really am I excited about seeing BJ Penn fight? No, I'm not. But I understand why he wanted to fight, and I was okay with this other fight because I didn't think he looked awful. Where I was just absolutely scared for him last time out. And if we're being honest, I mean Nick Lentz. Is, is a dangerous, tough fighter, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to come out and concuss you in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? That's not what you're worried about. So I was okay with this fight, and I think, I, I think I'm think i still okay with the fight. I just – and so I see, you know, Dave Doyle's coming out and saying, you got to get rid of him. you got to get rid of him. And I do understand that perspective because it is a little bit embarrassing, but I just think more than anything, man, BJ needs help, man. This It's, it's troubling behavior, man. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, you know, I definitely lean more on that side. I mean, again, it does boil down to a, a bar fight, a drunken bar fight. Shit happens. Does that mean I think he should lose his uh, ability to make a living? Not so much. Right. But I think there are different, definitely things out there that a fighter could do um, that I think that the UFC should cut ties. You know, if you're starting to, you know, uh, heaven forbid if there's, you know, well, sexual harassment sort of stuff, if there's... Mm. Uh, you know, if there was ever like a rape case, if there's somebody, some fucking pedophile or whatever, like, like the major taboos, like you do stupid shit like that, the UFC needs to cut ties. I mean, don't just say, all right, well, we're going to take his fight away and we're going to send him away to a clinic. I mean, that might work for some things, but right. for major ones out there, I just, at that point, you need, to, it's better for your organization to just cut, cut the ties and, 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 and run away as fast as possible but for a guy like this that clearly just seems to have something nagging at him he, he's something is going on that causes these whatever these fights to come out you know and like the guy said you know i don't want to in between fights you know if i'm not busy you know this sort of stuff happens you know that's obviously some sort of a i, I don't know some sort of a, a mental i don't want to say problem because I'm, I'm not a uh psychiatrist i don't know what's going on but if somebody lashes out with anger mm -hmm. maybe it's just an anger issue ish, you know and they need to do something else and um but i don't think it's enough to say all right well this this is the second drunken bar fight the guy's got in i don't want him to make a living anymore like that yeah. it doesn't that doesn't do it for me but that is the kind of thing where if there are anger management things that's the kind of thing where as an organization can be like we love you. You've done shit for us. What do you need from us to get you help? Do you need something? I mean, outside of just like a fight every other weekend to keep him busy. Uh, <laughs> counseling. Counseling. Or, things or like that. Medical that, treatment, maybe. Things that I think that like an organization like the NFL or some of these other ones would have. They have drug rehabilitation um, programs for, for guys that fall out of line and in the NFL and the other ones, I don't see why they can't do something along those lines for some of these guys that are obviously struggling with some sort of issue. But um, just because, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not calling this per se, but just because a guy does dirtbag things doesn't mean a guy needs to immediately our first response be like, all right, well, let's, let's make it so he can't provide for his family. Right. You know, um, I think let's see if we I can help too, the guy. Man. I mean, that, when you think about it, that's what the whole, like, prison system was supposed to reform people. It's not like, hey, I'm going to write you off and you're dead to me. You know, they were supposed to help fix people and give an opportunity for people to reflect upon these decisions and, and change their life for the better. So 
But those discussions need to happen. A discussion needs to happen, not just, hey, BJ, you know, uh, make sure you show up, uh, you know, before the fight camp, you know, on this date and wait. You know, have a discussion outside of just this fight that's coming up to really talk about life issues, stuff that's going on. I don't think they do – the UFC does a great job of really just checking in on their fighters to see where they're at. If it's not a fight week, if it's not something – there's just too many damn people – I mean, even if that was a part of their their job function for some person to be like, hey, you know, let's just check on the fighters. Let's let's see how they're doing. There's just too many people. So unfortunately, you never catch the stuff in advance. They only they only catch it after it's already blown up and and, something's happened. And the thing is, too, I mean, and you touched on it there when you when you say like them not being able to make a living, I mean. You know, it's easy to say, ah, you know, we got to get BJ out of the sport, man. He shouldn't fight anymore. Like, what other skills does BJ Penn – and I'm not saying BJ Penn specifically. I'm not, like, picking on him. But, I mean, we talk about the amount of dedication it takes, right? I mean, you give your life to this sport, man. I mean, you dedicate everything. That's any professional athlete that reaches that level. What other skills do you have? Yeah, I mean, that There's only so many broadcasting jobs. And that goes to NFL players. That goes to NBA players. That goes to soccer players. I mean, that goes. They, they have a very unique set of skills that they have honed over a lifetime, and it's it's hard to to really brush up on your your business management skills if you're spending forty hours of the week in a gym training. So I get it, you know. But that's the sort of stuff that they, you got to help them. Somebody's got to help them. I mean, like even out when you're trying to find a job, there's. There's career fairs. There's there's workshops that you can go to. Why can't the UFC do stuff periodically just to help check on fighters? They used to do the, the fighter summit, stuff like that, where they could talk about little things, and I think that's kind of fallen off over the years. But why not do a every other month, do a, I don't know, like a mental health checkup sort of thing where people can go and get together they have counselors there where they could talk about issues they have financial people to make sure that they're 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 taking care of their money right and that was part of what this thing did but it it never addressed uh never addresses the negative side of life that no one wants to talk about the not pretty things like you know the the uh, mental health all this uh you know drug abuse things that sort you know if they're only caring of whether you're not using drugs in competition and not caring about when you're outside of competition, then they're leaving part of it on the table. You know, if they're not checking in to make sure, I mean, this is a very high stressful uh, position that these guys are doing. So, I mean, there should be something that's checking up to make sure, are you good? Any, any high stress job out there, there are people that check on those people. If you're in the military and you're, uh, you know, one of your jobs, you know, if you're a guy that has to, you know, be out in the jungle or doing shit, there's people that you can go back and talk to just to make sure your head's good, you know, yeah. after the fact. Why are they not doing that to make sure that these guys uh, are doing well? It's always after the fact. It's always after something happens. Then they're like, oh, okay, he should get some help. It's like, well, why aren't you proactive and really just checking that's, on That's your what shit? I think, man. I think that the, the concept of like, man, we got to get rid of – to me, that's the lazy way out, man, and that's the least caring way out. I mean, I, I just – I can't imagine – if I, was, I mean, this is problematic, man. It's problematic, and like especially you said, somebody like BJ who's done so much for the sport. Yes, like, they should be bending over backwards to get him the help that he needs. So to just roll in, like, can you imagine somebody rolling in and be like, dude, you know, it, it, hey, it's clear to us that you have a problem, cold coffee, but uh, you you shouldn't be video editing anymore, you know, or you shouldn't do right. video production anymore. Uh, you, you should be doing something different. Like what? Like 
you know, I mean, I know right. it's a silly comparison, but I, I do, man. I, I don't think the UFC should cut ties. If anything, I think this would be a stellar opportunity for the UFC to try to step in and show that they have some compassion, you know, right. show that they care about the health and well-being. And, right. and yes, I mean, I, I get it. Like, oh, man, Tony never... Ferguson would have been a good opportunity oh, to do that yeah. as well. And they, I mean, they could. there's a lot of instances out there, I think, where they could be better in stepping up and being proactive instead of just uh, – sugarcoating what they can for the moment, you know, like as much as even when Tony was going out and was dealing with him stuff, all they were saying were like, we're just going to make sure that he passes all of his tests and that he's good to go before his next fight or if he's good to go. And that's it. You know, that was a perfect opportunity. Should they have had, uh, you know, things set up to talk about hard issues that happen out there. You know, you see things out there and you see suicides and other shit and everybody's like chooses that one moment to say, okay, hey, guys, if there's issues, say something. Yeah. If you see something. And then, hey, I, I'm done. I don't need to think about it again for a little bit. It's like how about pre and proactive set up those mechanisms to check on fighters and make sure what's going on. And then once that gets rolling, I bet we would probably see a lot less of these just flash-in-the-pan moments because there's something there where if a fighter is feeling – frustrated or needs help there's somewhere to go to and i think a lot of them feel like it's it's them on their own and it really kind of is i mean it's like that with for all of us i think in any of our careers and anywhere whatever a lot of it unfortunately it's on us to do it but it'd be nice of an organization that knows that their lifeblood is the fighters to really make sure that the fighters are good. I mean, it's not like, I mean, working for Gannett, I mean, there's what, 5,000, 10,000, whatever. I think it's like 30,000. Yeah. <laughs> Even they try to go and they have fucking stuff set up to try to assess and do mental health checks and do all this other shit they can reach out. So if an organization that's 30,000 employees can say, hey, if you're having issues, go here, do whatever, how many fucking people are on the roster, you think? 600. Total. Yeah. And you can't fucking set something up to really help people if they're having issues? Shame on you. I dig it, man. This, so, this, I, 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 but I, yeah, I just wrap that up by saying I feel I hate seeing this for BJ Penn. Uh, and again, to me, it doesn't matter who started the fight or whatever. I don't think I don't understand why that even matters. What matters to me is his his behavioral pattern is problematic, and I feel bad for him. But I want to say I don't think that automatically means the UFC should cut ties, man. If anything, I think this should be a moment where where they can say, you know, this is one of our own, dude. This is one of our long time. We got we got to do something. Got to right. figure out what's going on outside of just saying we're going to give him one last fight. Then what? That means you don't have to think about him anymore. Exactly. Well, we gave that him the one sucks. last fight, so now we're done. That sucks. All right. Uh, in a completely impossible transition, uh, let's let's talk about <laughs> anything else outside of BJ Penn because I'll just get depressed. No, that's right heavy. Now. That is heavy shit. It man. is. That's, it that's, is heavy. That's life. That's the life shit that we don't ever want to think about. We just want to. We want this to be fun and get good fights and get finishes. But then when you think about live shit, you're like, ugh. It's real sad. It sucks. is weird, right? That like, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like, what do we love, man? We love the big knockout. But then at the same time, then we try to sit back and be like, I don't want to see him take any more head trauma. Like, somebody <laughs> has to take head <laughs> trauma. Like, take that's, you know, we're, we, we, we we're talking about the best knockout of the night. We're talking about, you know, the knockout of the month that we're voting for or whatever. Yeah. MMA junkie. But then we're going to sit back and be like, 
I, I just don't believe that BJ Penn should take any more head trauma. <laughs> like, what? The entire thing is trauma, you know? Because we're like, savages. Oh, it's awful. All right, uh, Contender Series wrapped up. Man, it's crazy. Our weeks yeah. are going to change. Our schedule is going to change. The last 10 weeks, uh, hopefully people got a chance to check out the pre-shows, man. I think by the end of that. It was uh, fun. It was good. It was fun. It was kind of an experiment. We didn't, like, try to push it hardcore because we were, I mean, hell, you were, yeah. you were running a live television production by yourself. Myself and Dan Tom had never really – done a lot of like live stuff together but we were doing it live and mm-hmm. uh having fun i thought i thought dan did a great job man he did I, great he, he did really good I, I could i could really see him uh yes, kind of gaining saw, comfort saw, his that's time. it you saw the growth from the beginning to the end and it's funny on that last day you know when you got like the ufc's executive president of like production comes in he's like oh you guys are doing a doing a live show huh? yeah. we're like yep we <laughs> yep, are <laughs> we are right now he's like oh you're actually live right now sorry <laughs> yeah it was good but it was fun man so hopefully everybody enjoyed it um, but all right, let's. I, I want to talk about because it it's in the books. It's ten. Couple things. Uh, originally, we know it was supposed to be eight episodes. They ended up going to ten episodes. I think leaving it back at eight would have been good. I think cutting, you know, cutting twenty fighters out of the talent pool would have been good, man. I think we would have ended up with some better. And I don't want to. I, I don't want to insult the talent pool that we saw. But I feel like it was a little bit different uh, this year as far as what we had. And and, and I and I do say, you know. Maybe part of it was the fact we didn't have the real big names this year. There were none of the real highly anticipated ones, right? There was no Greg Hardy, Nick Newell, Antonina Shevchenko. You know, those ones where, like, everybody latched on to ahead of time. We didn't have one of those this year, like kind of the, I don't know, the anchor of the season or whatever. So I think that might have been part of the reason it felt a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, but but I but I do feel like maybe there were a little bit too many episodes so there's there's too many and and I will say and and I am it's funny cuz I know I mean Dana's a fight junkie and I and I am too so like when he says he could do that every Tuesday night he means it yeah. and I could too man to just go check out five fights every Tuesday night hell yeah I could do it but I agree after seeing the season I agree with what the matchmakers have been saying behind the scenes now they're not allowed to comment on record but behind the scenes they have been saying listen one season a year is enough right yeah but here's what I'm How thinking. many did they do last season? Or last year? I think year? it's only been one per calendar year, right? No, I mean, but last year, how many how many fights? Eight. eight. It's it was been eight. eight. So yeah, this eight. is the first so, one? Yeah, this first one that went ten. I think the extra two, I think the extra two, th- you know, spread it out a little too thin. Um, and, and and here's what I want to say. So here's here's my here's what I'm thinking. Because I do agree that eight episodes is about right, one season a year. But what I was saying is, how about, like, many seasons and split them apart? Do, like, two four-week runs at different times of the year because here's the other thing i think it would work out better because right now you think about it they ended up giving away 30 contracts right that's 30 30 fighters right now that you got to get fights right i think you'd be better off if you split it up a little bit and let's say you ended up with like you know you signed 10 to 12 new fighters in the spring 10 to 12 new fighters in the fall then you're not feeling that pressure of like holy shit i got 30 guys i got to get fights for yeah and 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 you know it's yes, it's not an eight-week run. I guess, and I'm not a TV guy, so I guess the only thing would be like, is four weeks enough time to get momentum going or whatever to right. get uh, you know the message out. So that might be the only drawback. But I was thinking maybe like four in the spring, four in the fall, or something like that. Because I can see where outside of a platform like ESPN Plus or something, if you're actually trying to get it on a broadcast, it's weird because they, it's not like they just have a random four-week block that they could just queue up for this. True. You know, there's a set, usually like a season amount of time where they want to plug it in and they know, okay, here's here's eight weeks or whatever that we're good. Yeah. 
you know, whereas if it's a lesser amount, then they're like, okay, now we need to typically come up with something else small to fill the other rest of the time, you know, so I could see where something, but if you're on a platform like ESPN plus where it lives on the web, it doesn't matter. It's that's easy peasy, you know, like, cause there's no set real season or whatever. I mean, like you just got to fucking broadcast it, you know, and they can, they can tune it on the web. But, um, I could definitely see where that, if, if they wanted to take it to a TV and have it on the broadcast channel, then it might be a little bit more problematic because somebody would have to try to work it out with other stuff. But like Trying um, to fit in a mini-series or whatever is kind of Yeah, tough. but I mean, it just felt like that last year, there was just so many nights where there was always like a good fight to where it didn't feel like it ever sort of dragged. And I felt like there was a couple weeks, this one, where it, it just felt, felt it like dragged. it dragged a little bit. All right, so here's what I want to throw in on that. I will not talk trash about the UFC Apex. It is an incredible facility. And, well, I mean, like, they're going to do amazing things out there. And, of course, they're relaunching Fight Pass in October. They're going to launch Zufa Boxing. That facility yeah. is going to make them a ton of money, and there's going to be a ton Especially of stuff Especially when others start using it. Absolutely. But I will say, the atmosphere of it versus the atmosphere of the old gym, it's a little different. I, I'm going to say it. I, I I love the air conditioning. Yep. I love the more comfortable seating. I love the space that we had to do a pre-show. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm yep. not I don't want to talk bad about the facility. It's a, it's an incredible facility. Yep. There was something cool and not just about the nostalgia of the tough gym like oh we've seen it for years. There right. was just something kind of cool and raw about it. You know what I mean? You were in this definitely, gym. Definitely the raw thing. Yeah. But I think I think also too with the it's hard to discount the history. Everybody that went to watch a fight there had seen it before. I think it's just too new. It's just too something. To, but I think even next year when they go in there again, people are they're going to be more familiar. I hadn't with thought it. about that because people gonna used start. to walk in the tough gym and be like, "Oh man, I'm in the tough gym." Yeah. And Here then, they walk in, they're like, "I'm on my best behavior because this is the brand it's new brand USC Apex." New. I mean, like <laughs> it is super super nice. So I think I think that'll come. I that's think a good that, point. I think that's going to come. I just think it. You know, as more people see it, they, as they grow to appreciate it and see it on TV, then they're going to have that moment of like, holy shit, I'm in that place I've been watching on TV. Yep. And then they're going to embrace it a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think I think it's coming. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic facility. I mean, it uh, looks really, really cool. But I think, yeah, it's almost – it looks too new and it smells too clean to, to, <laughs> to have that raw feel to where people might be like – Fuck, I can, you know, I mean, you go to the old tough gym and it smells like blood, sweat, and tears in there. I mean, there's something super raw about it. But, I mean, it does boil down to every time you walk in there, you think of everything that's happened before that moment. And it just makes it that much cooler. And I think the apex will get there. I agree. It's just not there yet. I agree. It's going to get there. I I think that impacted the way this felt. Last thing about contenders, I, I had a lot of people hit me up. And I think this is a very fair question, especially the way the season ended. A lot of people hit me up because Dana said it a couple times along the way, and I think the perfect example was Impa Kasangane in the final episode where where fans are saying, why in the hell are they bringing people on that they think are too raw to get in there? And I do think that's a fair question because Impa Kasangane to me, I mean, we did the pre-show, and and, and I I said it, you know, we're talking to Dan Tom, I'm like, I'm so excited about this fight because – Kalen Hill, we knew him. You know, he was this highlight reel. He'd been on Sports Center three times already in his career uh, for highlight reel knockouts. But Kasangane, you know, turned pro in January, and he was already 5-0. And, oh. and then he comes in. Kasangane turns in. 
this dominant performance. And the most amazing thing to me was the way he was acting in between rounds. I mean, just his his, his demeanor, like how calm and relaxed he was, yeah. smiling, you know. But you could see to only be a pro for, for nine months uh, or eight months even, you could see – like some of the things he was doing in his game where you're like, my God, this dude is an absolute natural. You know, some of the some of the intelligent moves and decisions that he was making in his fight game were incredible. And uh, you know, and and I thought at the least he's gonna get a developmental deal. They didn't do that. And Dana said, Listen, I love the kid. He's gonna go fight five more times and he'll be back in the UFC. We'll see him soon. And I, th- I mean that's a fine attitude. There's nothing wrong with that. But it does beg the question why the hell do you even bother them being here if they don't have a chance? Now, yep. I have answered the question. I do I do believe this to be true. Say Impica Sangane had gone out there and, you know, thrown a Masvidal flying knee or, or done something like that where you're like, oh, my God, you know, then I think they would have signed him. So I, do, right. I don't think anybody is coming onto the show with no chance. I don't believe right. they're bringing anybody with no chance. But – it does make you wonder where the bar is set because that was a phenomenal performance by Kasangane. He looks like he is going to be a stud in the future, and they passed on him anyway. And it does make you wonder why why bring these guys in. And and I guess probably it just goes back to answering the thing we started talking about. The talent pool is just a little too thin. But it is yeah. it is weird, right? I mean, if you're bringing people in and, and saying, yeah, I like him, but he's too raw, then what the hell was he doing here? That's That's – clearly the point i mean because when you think of it like that it's it's all a bit silly i mean yes you're giving him an opportunity to fight you know you're you're going to give him some money but if you know that if the guy doesn't give you like you said that crazy finish but if you know in your head like oh you still probably think he's too green why why waste the opportunity unless you couldn't find anybody else right. to fill it? you would think that everybody if they're coming on that show has the equal opportunity to get a contract, should they get the win, and if it, and if it's an exciting win, you know, now, right. if somebody's going out there and it's just a ho hum victory, but they get it, you know, maybe it's not going to carry as much weight as a guy that goes out there and gets that nice finish. But you figure everybody going into it, if they're coming on that show, should have the equal opportunity to get a contract. And from hearing him say that, it made it sound like mm, no. He didn't have an equal opportunity. The right. only way I would have given it is, like you said, probably if he would have got a crazy finish, then he would have been like, I'd be too stupid to pass on this guy. Yeah. You see how exciting he was? But it was a great and he performance. Said it a, he said it a couple times this year with yeah. guys where he's like, dude, if I put them in right now, they'd get murdered. And that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But then what the hell are we doing? Why, why, well, are, we why are we doing it? Because, I mean, it, it, now, yeah. if, let's say Impa Kasangane had won, and you're just like, listen, man, I like the kid, but I wasn't impressed by that performance. But nobody could watch that fight and not be impressed by that performance. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. it, yeah, it's, I don't know. And maybe that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, that'd be the feedback that can maybe give Dana is like, maybe don't say it like this next time. Maybe don't say yeah, it like right. you're thinking that he's too green to get it. Because then it makes it look like the matchmakers couldn't find anybody. Right. But Dana was quick to say, yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to kind of, you know, the, the bathtub's not full anymore, you know. Or I forget what the fuck his, his phrase was. but like He used the pond. The pond. Which I think was him trying to remember the word talent pool. <laughs> he was like, I know it's a body of water. I just can't remember. <laughs> As you just went with bathtub. Bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Bathtub's only a quarter full, you know. Um, yeah, because then it makes it seem silly, like they struggle to find guys. You know, I think that they probably would put a different spin on it. Then we wouldn't be discussing, well, why is a guy, 
you know, why are you bringing somebody on if, if they're not going to get a contract? But, but you're right. But yeah, it seems a bit silly. But I thought the guy was a stud, and uh, and but Dan is right. I mean, like uh, he'll either be there back soon, or somebody's going to get uh, a fighter that's going to be very, very exciting. Juan Bellator, I'd really quick. That, I'd, I'd snatch that kid up in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, because he's it's the same thing. Like you know, he's got. He's like uh, another African like uh, Francis Ngannou that a lot of people are like, guys just got pure raw talent, but it looks like he's literally still developing right in front of their eyes. You know, this is another kid that has explosive power that is literally developing right in front of your face. But it's like, to me, I mean, I thought he carried himself well. Um, He looks fantastic and he fights like a beast. Fucking get him before somebody else does, you I know, because you're going to need somebody like it's so funny when we're seeing people even that don't get contracts, but make it on the show are getting fights. So why not just say fuck it and just say, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless right. unless that's part of it, unless they already plan on that, they probably will give them a fight, but they just don't want to give out and just immediately say, hey, we're going to go on the line and, and give you a contract. Right. Because there's nothing that's saying that they won't give these guys fights because we're already seeing people that make it on the show that don't get contracts are getting fights. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him like in six months oh, I think we will. on some random card I was for impressed, the UFC. Man. I'm impressed. I so. think we will. All right, something else we're going to see. One championship. One championship making big moves, man. They, uh, they're they going to be in the U.S., man. They're going to bring a live event to the U.S. pretty soon. They're, they're going to have their first live broadcast here in the United States uh, in October. Uh, one championship, 100. I'll get to that in a second. One championship, 100. Century. Two cards on one day. It's actually going to be on two days in the U.S. just the way the time change works. Uh, but one of them will be the first live broadcast in the United States for one championship. So they're making big moves. Uh, like I said, I, I, I know that next year um, it sounds like they're going to try to have a live event here in the United States as well. So one championship, if you haven't been paying attention, you might have to start doing so now. Uh, I had a chance to speak with Demetrius Johnson, who made it to the finals of the flyweight tournament and uh, is going to be competing on that card and uh, had a chance to, to catch up with him by phone. It had been a while since I've spoken to Mighty Mouse. Hadn't, I don't think we had talked since he left uh, the UFC. So it was good to catch up with him, and uh, I figured I'd share that with everybody here. So here is uh, my conversation with Demetrius Johnson. Yo. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing. A beautiful day in Washington State. How about you? Oh, just hanging out, man. Sorry about that. I was having a little issue with my Bluetooth there for my recorder, man. Awesome, man. All right, well, uh, let's just get into it then, man. I mean, here you are, two fights into this, you know, new chapter of your career, this one era. Let, let me know how you're feeling about it. I mean, it's a, been a big change, so what's, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on it? So far, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, traveling, uh, traveling over to Asia to be able to compete in Manila and Japan and be able to compete in front of, you know, the Asian crowd. I, I've been loving every bit of it, you know enjoying the process of getting ready, you know, going over to, you know, Manila went over the 13, 13 days or 14 days before the fight. Uh, Japan went 10 days this time, we're going to go 10 days again. So just enjoying the process. What's, what's been the best part of it for you, Demetrius? Cause I know that, you know, you had gotten kind of tired of the, of the way fights were promoted and, and, you know, the things that had to be said, I guess, to try to hype up fights. I mean, is, is that the best part of it or is it, you know, the new scene. I mean, I know you're about the, the belt collecting around the world. You mentioned how you want to do that. I mean, so what's what's the best part of it for you? Oh, man, I can't just pinpoint one thing. If I had to, it's I just can't. It's a little bit of everything. Like, just being able to know who you're going to be fighting next offseason in a tur- tournament format. But 
like I said, I don't, I don't have to promote, I don't have to hype the fight up. You know, I, I will promote it. You know, as the fight gets closer, you know, with social media and all that stuff and training. But as far as lines of, you know, you don't have to hear about the pay-per-view numbers and all that stuff. <laughs> um, it's also also to be on a card where it's just not mixed martial arts. It's also kickboxing and Muay Thai. Uh, that's always fun to watch when you're in the back room, get it ready. And, you know, just to be in a whole different chapter, right? different rules, different weight cutting, just the whole nine yards, you know, being 32 years old, not focusing on trying to cut down to 125, fighting my natural weight. It's all fun. Yeah, you touched on that weight cutting, man. I wanted to ask you about that, you know, the whole system. What, what's, what's your take on it? Because I will say, I mean, I think they're trying to do a good job of educating people and being a little more transparent with everything. But I got to say, man, the two guys you fought so far have looked big, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's just the size difference, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely taller. I mean, uh, Yuya Wakamatsu and Wada were both taller but when it comes to, like, you know, actual weight, I weighed more than Wakamatsu after the fight. And then I think Wada, I don't know what the weight was afterwards. Wow. But they're just they're just taller. So, you know, Wada was, like, 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, I'm 5'3". Um, I'm just a small, dense dude. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Yeah, no question. So the thing is, so you can weigh up to, what, 134, right? But you have to be at, at the hydration. That's how it works? That the, Your body shows that you're not dehydrated? Yeah, so basically how it goes is uh, my weight limit is 135, which is the flyweight division of the men's. And you have to weigh in two times during the week, which is uh, we fight on Saturday. You weigh in uh, Thursday and Friday and the fight Saturday. And when you do your weigh-in, you come in and you, this is when you do your uh, drug test as well. Uh, you go in there, you give a urine sample, and they test the urine. They, te- they check the gravity of the urine. So it needs to be – it can't be over 0. 0.250. And it can't be below zero point one five. I don't know what the, the gravity is for the right. lowest, where it's just pure, where it's just pure water. That means you're overly hydrated, and that's you know that's not good. They they, they don't like that. Um, they want to make sure you're just hydrated. So you check your hydration first. If you pass hydration, then you're able to jump on the scale, and then they read out your weight. If you pass both those, then you have then you pass you know your weight weight cut not weight cut you you pass uh, weight you right. made weight. And then you have to do it again the following day at the exact same time. And then at that time, that's when they do the drug test. They take that, send it off to the labs, the water lab, which is the exact same lab that USADA uses. And then that's how the weight protocol goes. What do you think, man? I mean, obviously you've seen it the other way, and you know how people feel about weight cutting here in the U.S., man. It's dangerous, and we're putting people at risk. I mean, do you think this is a, p- a potential way that, that it could be fixed? I mean, should U.S. athletic commissions be considering this? I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all pretty good what people want to do. Like, I love it because when I fight at 135, this is my third fight in a year. At 33 years old, I, I think that's pretty impressive in yeah. my own book. And I think when I was kind of 125, I was doing so much trauma on my body, just trying to make that weight and blow back up to like 141, you know, in one day. So with me staying closer to my natural weight, which is 135, and then fighting there, I don't have as much trauma in my body, my liver, my kidneys, all that stuff. It's just doing my bounce right back. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day in, in America, I, I don't know what the commission, what they're waiting on. So I, I think one champion is doing it right. They got it. You know, everybody makes weight. There's nobody. When it comes to fighting or an event coming up, it shouldn't be. Everybody shouldn't be so focused on who's going to miss weight. Who's going to who's gonna miss weight? Who's going to make weight? I think that's become, you know, I don't know. 
I'd be surprised if Vegas doesn't have lines on those or, <laughs> you know, bets on those. Like, oh, is this guy going to miss weight? He's going to be under five or four, you know, just because everybody's so fixated on making weight to where here in, in, in Asia, it's like, you know, make sure you're hydrated, make sure you fight your, your natural weight, and that's it. And even when championship, like when you come over, you know, when they sign guys, are like, this is what you're fighting at. Like you're fighting at this weight class, and you, I, don't, I don't. We know you can make, you can't make it, or you can try to make it. So, but I like it. I dig it. Well, it sounds like you're pretty happy overall. Have there have there been any any things along the way that you've seen? Like, oh man, I wish you know, I wish they would change this, or you know, I didn't think that I was going to be signed up for this. I mean, have there been any negatives or downsides of, of leaving the UFC? No, not at all. I've I've been completely happy. Everything's been fantastic. You know, uh, I love the traveling. I'd love to be able to go over there and meet the other athletes around the world. So nothing at all. I mean, we got one esports coming up in Japan uh, right before the One Century Show. I'm excited about that. I'm also gonna be going out to Las Vegas here pretty soon, uh, September 10th through 11th to do uh, a web seminar or a summit for esports. So I'm, wow. I'm happy, man. I'm 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 staying busy. That's awesome, man. Good for you. Well, you got another tough fight coming up next, right? Like you said, you made it to the tournament finals. Um, give, give me your thoughts. I mean, get your initial thoughts on the matchup and, and uh, you know, kind of how you feel you pair up. Uh, Danny King, Dad, he's, he, he's a phenomenal uh, athlete. You know, definitely a young phenom out of the Manila, out of the team Akai boys. Um, he's already fought for the belt once against uh, Adrian Marias, uh, came up short. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, he's young, he's athletic, super athletic, very very explosive, and, you know, I'm going to sit right there and take it to him, like I've always said. What, what's it like for you breaking down opponents now, Demetrius? Because, I mean, I imagine in the past, I mean, sure, you're watching tape or whatever, but, I mean, you're familiar with everybody, right? So I wonder now, is it is it harder to prepare for these guys? And I'm guessing you haven't seen fight a whole lot, or is it is it almost more exciting to have, like, these new riddles to figure out? What's, what's, what's the process like? Well, the process is a little more difficult just because I don't have Matt in my corner. So I have to basically get all the knowledge I need from Matt up till lead up to the fight. I mean, those, those 15 minutes that, when he's in the corner are very crucial because um, he knows how to get me going. He's the only one who knows how to get me going in the right direction. So uh, we broke down my last fight. We sat down, we watched it, and there's things pointed out to me that I was like, damn, I never thought about that. And he goes, you just got to get in the mindset now where you have to figure out what your opponent's trying to do to you in, in the middle of the fight, what they're trying to keep you from doing. Um, so that's uh, a shift in my training now that I have to focus on. So, you know, breaking out Danny King, that we're, we're going to be breaking him down and we're going to be just seeing the things that he does very well. And then I have to adjust to the fly. Usually I do it when I'm fighting because Matt's calling out, like, get heavy, you know, settle down. And I, I do it when I'm when I fought in North America, but I don't have that luxury anymore. So that's that's the hardest thing. Other than that, I mean, every athlete's different, especially you know when I'm fighting the guys over in Asia and one championship. I feel they are they're more experienced because they've been fighting for a long time. You know, those guys go through Shuto, and Shuto's no joke. Right. Um, you have you know Danny King that he's a Wushu champion. So these guys have been champions before they got to the big leagues. Where I felt like in North America, you know, there wasn't. There's good feeder shows like LFA, uh, um, Access, all those smaller shows. I, I mean, some of them come and go all the time. Yeah. But I don't think they, 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 they have the same talent pool as Shuto or Pancreas or Deep. Those those divisions in Japan. <clears throat> yeah. So is that you know you talk about not having Matt in your corner? Has that been a more difficult adjustment than than you thought it would be? I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about how tough that might make it for you. But is, has that been a difficult adjustment? 
it's it's not a difficult adjustment. It's just something I have to get used to. Yeah. You know, like when I when I was fighting as an amateur, the only time he was in my corner is when I was fighting on his promotions. Now that you know, I'm a professional athlete, and I'm at the pinnacle of the sport of mixed martial arts, and I'm fighting these high level guys. There's there's these these things that you know you don't get, and those things. It's almost like Habib Nurmagomedov not having his dad in his yeah. in his corner. He's about to fight Dustin Poirier, or he's about to or Javier, you know, he'll, he'll do well, but those are just key things, those minor key things that, you know, your, your head, head coach, master can do it. But this is part of the journey, you know, that me and Matt, we sat down and talked, even Chachi talks about it. He goes, every single person, you know, is an athlete and they have, you know, their headmaster of the dojo in their corner. But now you're taking that leap of faith where you're going to be doing it on your own. And your, your coach is right there watching you fight and you can't say anything to them. So you got to figure it out. That's why my last fight, you know, after I, I beat Wada, I wasn't having my performance. Like, I trained so hard, I expected more from myself. Like, I don't care what anybody in the world says or the, the reporters, the, the fans, anybody. I have, I hold my myself to a higher standard than anybody does. And that's when I gave myself a thumbs down after that fight. And I was like, it wasn't my, I was like, that's a shitty performance. Like, that, that's not what I expected. That's not what I envisioned happening, going out there. I envisioned I going out there and getting the finish. And I didn't get it, so I was, I was disappointed. Interesting. Give me an idea what this would would mean to you, man. It's funny. I, I I vividly remember you standing in Los Angeles and saying, you know, man, I want to go collect belts from around the world. And I remember laughing at you and saying, come on, dog, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> and now here you and, and now and now here you are, you know, on the verge of doing that. So I mean, I guess this is what you envisioned, right? Was was starting to collect these belts from around the world. So um, I mean, what would this tournament win mean to you? You've accomplished so much in your career. But, I mean, is this, like, a special moment to you? I would say so. I mean, growing up watching a lot of Japanese martial arts, and I remember watching uh, Krokop, Fedor Malenko, um, those guys competing in the Overweight Grand Prix, and uh, I believe it was Pride, and Josh Burnett was in it too. And I remember those guys, they would be in the, the – the, not the division, they would be in the organization, and all of a sudden, you know, probably like, Whoo! stuff and then at the end of the tournament they get a sweet belt and it's it's almost like accomplishment so for me to be able to have the opportunity to be able to win a, a legit you know a grand prix I'm, I'm super stoked and excited about it and to be able to add another belt to my to my collection it, it's gonna be awesome because it's a belt that you know world titles they come you know everybody gets a world title but in order to get a grand prix you got to enter one and then you got to win three fights in a row stay healthy so it, it's a lot that goes into it and you you know, you, you can get injured. You can win two fights and then get injured and not be able to go to the final. So it's a lot that goes into play. Or a cage. So it's always changing on you. That's awesome, man. Well, that's good. Hey, quick question. Do you still follow the uh, the UFC flyweight division at all? Are you, are you watching Cejudo and the King of Cringe and everything that he's doing out there? I see, I see, I see what Triple C is doing. It's funny. My my buddy came over my house. He goes, "What the what the hell is this man doing?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, and he and he told me uh, the intergender or whatever, yeah. and I just laugh. I, I think it's hilarious, but I, I'm happy for him. You know, at the end of the day, he's he's doing what he wants to do, and he's creating a lot of buzz for himself and the division. And hey, man, you can't hate on him. He's doing he, he's trying to make moves and get paid. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Would you ever, I mean, if there was a way to get it back someday somehow, whether it be a interpromotional fight or a one-off or something like that, I mean, is that something you think about, is getting that one back at all? No, I don't think about getting the losses that I had back. I mean, that means I'll be thinking about my loss at Donald Cruz in 2011, and then when I lost to Brad Pickett, losses happen. And when you, if I look at a loss as a setback or a bump in the road, then I'm not thinking positive. You know, I have an in-game goal, and I know my goal where I want to end up at the end of my career. And you know, sometimes those losses give you they open a, a pathway to a different door and. And this is it. You know, I was able to get out of, you know, North America, get over to Asia and have my final career be in one championship. So if it happens, it happens. But I'm not worried about it. Very cool, man. Understood. All right. Well, obviously, uh, we still got a ways to the fight. I'm sure we'll talk again before then. But uh, give me your early prediction, man. How how do you think this goes? Do you get that finish that you've been wanting? I tell everybody since I've been amateur till now, I give myself a long night. Anything can happen. So I'm going out there prepared and let them fight. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate the, the chance to catch up with you, man. Like I said, I'm sure we'll talk again before then, but I always appreciate the time, brother. Thanks, John. Appreciate you. Yeah. Welcome back to the May Road Show. That was Demetrius Johnson, former UFC flyweight champ, former pound-for-pound pound number one in the world. And uh, potentially a new one Grand Prix champion coming October. Listen, if you like what you're hearing, I should remind you, please do us a favor. Log into iTunes. Make sure that you are subscribed. Of course, that's important. You want to get us every week because we've been doing this for 231 consecutive weeks without fail. Uh, Also, if you can take the time to rate us, that would be awesome. Give us five stars if you can. I understand if you can't, but please do. It makes me feel better when you get five stars. Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. (laughs) <laughs> you jackass. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, leave us some feedback if you can. I love reading those even when they are sharp-witted jabs at, at us. We uh, we appreciate that. Uh, all right, listen, Demetrius Johnson uh, sounds happy, man. He really does sound happy. Uh, I, I hate seeing him gone, but um, it's clear that this is what he wanted and, and this suits him. You know, I, I think he paints – kind of a rosy picture. I couldn't believe that he had no criticisms whatsoever of, you know, his new home. Like, there wasn't anything that they're not doing right. There's nothing that they're not – they couldn't do a little bit they better. They bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he knows how to handle it. right. He knows how to handle it. But uh, <laughs> excited to see that, man. I Listen, I do think one is doing some big things. You know, if they can continue it, we'll see. Um, but, you know, just like PFL is, is making some ways. I mean, if one can do it as well. I mean, more opportunities for fighters is a good thing, man. More – more homes, more chances for fights is good. I mean, the UFC is not going to go away as the most powerful brand for a long time, at least as far as as I can see. I mean, things can always change. But, you know, I don't see that the winds of change are a-blowing right now. But, man, more opportunities uh, for fighters to compete is good. So uh, I'm excited about that. All right, let's talk about this weekend. It is UFC Shenzhen. Mm. USC on ESPN plus 15, Andraj versus Zhang. Uh, all right, listen, we'll just lay it out there up front. I understand if you're not going to get up and watch this card, all right? Uh, it kicks off at 3 a.m. Eastern. The main card is at 6 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I would assume that anybody that is listening to this show is probably a pretty hardcore fan. <laughs> but if you're not hardcore enough to get up and watch this, 
I am okay. I yeah. am not going I think to that pass would be the judgment. Hardcore of yeah. hardcores. <laughs> I am not going to pass judgment on you. I get it. The if hours. You're not getting paid to watch it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I understand. Now that's it. I will be. So if you want to be up at that time, I'm going to be doing play by play. I volunteered to let everybody else sleep because I am that kind of ridiculous actual MMA junkie that I will be up watching anyway. Uh, so I, I volunteered to play with Are you going to nap the day before? Like, yes. how are you going to approach it? You're going to try to nap in, in so, the evening? So here's what up? I did. We're sitting down on Thursday, as we always do, to record mm-hmm. the show. I made sure to take Friday off. So I'm, I am off tomorrow, Friday. I made sure to take off because what I'm going to try to do is, and I was talking to my wife earlier, I'm going to sleep in as much as I can tomorrow. These frosty beverages are certainly assisting that process. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sleep in as, far as, I, as much as I can tomorrow while my kid's at school. After school is over – uh, I'm gonna take him to jujitsu practice and you know do family uh, family time, family dinner, all that, and then I'm gonna try to go to bed probably around like uh, 8 p.m. or so, and, okay. and 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 catch a nap until midnight. So you know what I mean? Get like a little three or four hour nap in there. Hopefully that's the plan. That's the hope. Uh, and then and then you know bang you through said the midnight. Car. Well, midnight Pacific because it's 3 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, but which is midnight. Right. Our time, she'd have to get up a little before midnight. Wow, yeah, like 11.30, take a quick shower, drink yeah, some coffee yeah. real quick yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a pretty good idea. You know, so I'm going to try to sleep as long as I can tonight slash tomorrow morning and then get a little nap in right before and then bang it through. And then I'm actually off on Saturday as well. Like one, Or I shouldn't say I'm off. Once I get done with the card, yeah, uh, I'm off. And then that's the rest of the crew will come on and take over like the, the post-fight stuff. Yeah. And then I'll try to get some sleep again, and I'll leave for Abu Dhabi on Sunday, me and my – Broken down. Cracked ass computer. What right time here. does Eli go to bed? Uh, it depends on the day, but usually around like. That's still too. Like, so if you got up at, say, 11, he'd already be in bed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in bed so, way before that. Okay. He's, he's in bed around like 9 o'clock. Yeah, he's still so. young. I was yeah, going to yeah. say that you might get up in time to put him to bed. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, hell no. He's yeah. he's seven. He's not up that late. What <laughs> kind of parents are you? You can tell you had no kids. I was up so late. You can tell you had no, no kids. No, I was up late. My dad, especially when he worked shifts and stuff, shit. We're up whenever we could. <laughs> All right, so listen. Especially this on the weekend. Let's talk about this card. Only There's only four Americans on the card, so if you're, if you're kind of a U.S.-centric person, only four uh, Americans on the card. Nine fighters making their UFC debut. So um, there's going to be a lot of names here that you're not familiar with, and I get that. Um, so that's why I said I understand if you're not one to watch, uh, at least not watch live. But there are some things definitely to watch for here. And the main event is one that I'm really, really excited for. Jessica Andrade versus Wiley Zhang. Um, strawweight title, of course, is on the line. Uh, Jessica Andrade, man, how you know, amazing finish to take the belt last time out, incredible. But Wiley Zhang is is somebody that to me that you know she's only fought three times in the UFC, but right away, man, I see it. Like I believe that she has the ability to be a, a, a UFC champion. The thing that this reminds me of right now, and, and I almost I almost hate to make this comparison because it's another Asian fighter. That's not what I'm saying. But it reminds me of Kyoji Horiguchi, where when I saw Horiguchi, right away I said, oh, that is somebody that can be a future UFC champion, but they got rushed to a title shot. Now, mm-hmm. again, that was against Demetrius Johnson, uh, who's you know one of, the, one of the all-time greats, You know, as we said, former number one pound-for-pound pound in the world. This is a little bit different because I don't want to take away from Entourage. When she is on and the things that she does well, man, she is uh, incredible. But, you know, we I think we all remember the devastating finish against Rose Namajunas, but she wasn't winning the fight at that point. I mean, she was losing. Not even close, right? She, she was losing badly yes. in the, in the stand-up game on that. And if it wasn't for that slam, she would have lost. Yes. And it – 
came down. What was it like? Right at the right, right before the end of the fight. Second round. Well, second round. I mean, second. She, yeah. I mean, she. It was. I mean, there was still. Yeah, she was time losing, play, but she lost the opening yeah. round pretty badly. So she was I, losing bad. Yeah. So so I I I like Jing's opportunities here. Now I will say this. You know, Wiley would not get this title shot right now, more than likely, if this wasn't in China. Okay, so she yeah. is getting this opportunity. But if you if, if you haven't watched her fight and you're just saying, oh, she has no chance, they're just giving her a chance because she's in China. No, yeah, she's definitely getting a chance because this card is in China. I mean, the UFC has made it clear they want to open up China. Every sports league does. Every, every. Let's be honest. Every business, every industry wants to get inroads into China. Uh, Yao Ming meant incredible amounts of riches to the NBA, and that is what the UFC is hoping to do. That is why there's a performance institute in Shanghai. That is why they continue to to come back uh, with events here. Um, but to, to to pretend like she doesn't have the skills or the ability to win this fight, I think would be a huge oversight for anybody. Um, you know, thinking about either betting this card or thinking about watching this card, I think this is a very competitive fight. I think so too. And looking at uh, our staff picks, uh, the readers actually agreed with us. Sixty-two percent put Jang. Jang. Are you serious? Yeah, I just looked at it for the very first wow. time. Wow. So the, uh, I actually okay. picked her as well. I did too, and I thought I thought I was going to be one of the few because so I thought I, everybody was riding high on Andrade. Yeah, the readers, uh, which good for you, readers. Sixty-six uh, percent overall uh, record. Sixty-six percent. Well, no, sixty-two uh, percent picked it. Okay. But the readers overall have a sixty-six percent right. yeah, success yeah. rate. So, yeah. like, our readers are pretty studly. They are pretty smart. Uh, so uh, that makes me feel a little bit better because I think so as well. I mean, Andrade. Andrade was, in my opinion, uh, did not look that great in that last fight. But Rose makes people look not great. True, true. Um, and Andrade is – she's like a fucking tank, man. She just walks through people. Unbelievable. But there was something humanizing about that last fight where I was like, wow, she's really getting pieced up. And I thought she sort of lost a step until I saw her pick up Rose and literally <laughs> almost decapitate her. Um, but this is one of those fights where um, I just – Zheng is – has impressed me completely. And when you look yes. at who she's beat, there's only that Danielle Taylor. I think people might go and say, oh, well, who has she fought? You know, uh, Danielle's extremely I like Danielle tough. Taylor. I know, she's extremely I, she's tough. Just, she's tiny. And that was a she's super, so t- If yeah. she was bigger, if Danielle Taylor was bigger, people. she would destroy people. She would literally destroy people. But, I mean, when you look at Aguilar, Tisha Torres, I mean, those are studs. And, and she beat them. I mean, this is a tough tough person who I think right now is fighting probably some of the best fighting that she's done um I mean Grant she's 30 years old so I mean she's no she's no spring chicken right but I think you know according to Dana that's that's right in the prime so I think so 28 to 32 28 that's to 32, kind of that's right like, around there that to me I think that's at that uh, yeah. that's athletic prime so this is this is a good this is a good uh time for her and I mean I don't know and, I, and maybe I'm just homering because she is in her home country as well so I think that always bodes well for a fighter, especially in a big moment. She's going to have a huge crowd behind her on this fight. And so, Listen, uh, Andrade ch- had to travel to China. That right. is a long flight, okay? Right. It is a long way to get there. I can tell you, I, I only got to go once. I went to the very first, uh, the Shanghai event. That's, that's the only one I got to go to. Um, but I have been there. I can tell you the air quality sucks in China. Now, how much you think that factors in? Maybe not, but, you know, People do talk about that when it comes to athletic performance. You know, yeah, sure. the air quality is bad now. It ain't exactly lovely in Brazil either, but yeah. it's really bad in China. Uh, but I will say, I mean, the food offerings, The, I mean, the, it is yeah. culturally incredibly different. So for Jessica Andrade, who 
And I'm not trying to paint her as like, oh, she's just a simple little person or whatever. But like, she even comes from like small town, ba- right. you know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to be culture shock. It's going to be nutrition shock. It's going to be, you know, the, the time change. I mean, there is a lot going on. There is a lot for Jessica to overcome. Whereas, you know, Wiley just has to turn around and be like, oh, short flight over here. And let's do this. Yeah. I do think that stuff matters. It does. Well, at least, I mean, w- w- Jessica, in the case of uh, the nutrition, she's probably going to be cutting most of the time there. <laughs> so it would just be the fight night, uh, the, the Friday night or whatever, right. or the uh, post-weigh-in night where she'd be really trying to get some nutrition. She's probably going to – I would bring, like, a bunch of frozen acai or well, something. Well, hey, some other I don't stuff. know if you can bring – getting stuff into oh, China. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. There's so, there's so much to think about. It. And remember – now, if this was a pay-per-view card or if this was an ESPN card, you'd have the, the UFC corporate chefs there, right? The, the yeah. trifecta people, they'd be cooking all your food. Yeah. Guess what? This not going to be there? Not going to be there. Interesting. So, I mean, I listen, I, and I'm not saying she's going to miss weight. By the way, they step on the scales in, in just a matter of, uh, of uh, not that long from when we're sitting down. So, by the time most people hear this, the weigh-ins are done. I'm not trying to suggest that she won't make weight or anything like that. I'm just trying to say – it's going to be different. Like yeah. so she's not going to have yeah, the right. foods I, that I, she's I, accustomed yeah. to. I forgot about that. You can't really bring shit in there as well. No. You know, but that should be it should be uh, a lot of fun that that fight. So I mean, if either way it's going to be Either fun. way it's going to be it's a fun be fight. Fun. Yeah. I mean, somebody somebody's going to take some damage and somebody's going to give some damage. <laughs> the co-main event as well, Li Jingliang versus Elizu Zaleski dos Santos. Listen, two of the most under the radar, exciting, fun fighters that you that you possibly can now it is funny because right i love both these guys neither one of them speak english so we've never had like real one-on-one i mean they speak a little bit but not enough to be like on record but both these i mean Li jing lang if you're a long time listener to the road show you know the leech that dude if you've ever watched i mean he has the most infectious smile like an attitude and everything he is amazing and he bangs dude when he goes into fight he absolutely bangs and fortunately he did fight on that card um, and I can tell you, man, the Chinese support there—it was amazing. It's a—it's an entirely different crowd than like a Japanese crowd. Yeah. You know, it's—it's more—it's more akin to like a South Korean crowd where they're loud. They're, you know, it's not very quiet, respectful claps, whatever. I mean, they get into it, and and the, the amount of support that Li Jingling felt uh, when he was fighting in Shanghai was amazing. So to see him back here is going to be great. And and against Elizondo Zaleski dos Santos, uh, I, I want to hear what the picks were here as well because um, I feel like. I mean, Zaleski, uh, Zaleski dos Santos is certainly much higher ranked. I think much higher respected. Um, how, how high is it? Uh, 77%. 77%. The Raiders took him 77%. And on our staff picks, it's uh, only yeah. only only Matt Erickson went with uh, Leach. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I believe that, man. And even me. And, and listen, I'm a Leach homer. Huge Leach fan. I'm a Leach homer, dude. I love the Leach. But I do believe he does – I think he tends to to brawl a little too much. I think he tends to rely on his chin a little too much, uh, and and Dos Santos uh, is is lethal, and, and I think will prove problematic here. So I'm picking Dos Santos. Now it's it's interesting because Dos Santos also a Brazilian, also facing a Chinese fighter, also going to have to deal with everything we just talked about, right? Also going to have to deal, um, you know, you know, with all all the the issues that we literally just talked about uh, in in the main event. Um, but I do feel like he's a cut above, man. I feel like Dos Santos is flying under the radar. But to me, Jing Liang uh, is like almost a Cowboy Cerrone type fighter. You know what I mean? A guy that you just know, hey, he's on the card. I should watch it because the fight's going to be fun. So I believe the co-main event is going to be very exciting as well. And I'm not discounting the leech. 
Uh, but but I but I, I I do like Dos Santos in this fight. Yeah, I went with him as well. But you're right, man. Leach brings it. I mean, you know, at least with this fight, it's and you know, a lot of times you say it, and I'm like, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. It can't be jinxed because both these guys like to go forward and like to throw down. I mean, and especially being in fr- in front of a Chinese crowd, I mean, Leach is going to make sure that mm-hmm. uh, that he brings it. And unfortunately, with that style, sometimes he just walks forward. And I think this is the kind of one, if he keeps going barreling forward, just trying to impress the crowd, he's probably going to catch one. And that's yep. probably what is going to happen. Yep. Um, we've, we've seen his chin get tested. He does have a good chin, but he does get dropped. And this is the kind of fight that uh, if, he, if he's going to let the crowd get him and he's going to kind of lose his head a little bit and trying to go in there and get that moment – this fight could end really, really quickly, and I think that's probably what's going to happen is that he's going to go in there uh, trying to take out Zaleski Dos Santos' head, and, and it's not going to work. I agree. I, I think maybe like a second-round finish or something like that. Yeah, but it could I be, think it it's could be even sooner. It, first or second round probably. I think so, but I think these top two fights, I, I think they're solid. And let me just say, it was, it was a late adjustment to the bout order, but – it's funny because it was one of the fights I was most interested in, so I'm really happy the UFC put it here. Mark De La Rosa versus Kai Car France is a fantastic flyweight fight, and I'm a big fan of the flyweight division, and I'm a big fan of both these guys, and I love the fact that the UFC put this in kind of the third position here. So to me, like I again, I get it. If you don't want to wake up early and watch this fight, totally get it, man. It's 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 uh you know for our global audience, yeah, it's a little bit more normal. For the U.S. audience, it, it's tough. Um, but the, the trio uh, of these top three fights to me is incredibly exciting, and I like I like Mark Taylor Rosa, and I like Kai yeah. France. I ended up going with Kai France. Uh, I, you know, certainly uh, the, the crew down in Australia has been super high on him for a long time, and he has looked uh, really good thus far uh, in his in his UFC career. But uh, De La Rosa, listen, man, he's he's a tough dude. He's got some talents. Um, he's got a slick little submission game. I think he he can prove. Uh, problematic. I, I think Kyra France is just a just a little bit better. I think he's just a, a, a you know a, a little notch above right now. But um, but I'm excited for the fight. I, I think it's a really really good flyweight fight. I think it's just, um, you know I'm glad to see good flyweight matchups happening. And and, and I, I'm excited. These are the, uh, the three fights I was most interested in. So I'm glad they got paired together at the top. Yeah, uh, Kyra France took 75 percent of the readers. Wow. So that's another that's another really high one. Um, yeah, I mean that's a good one. De La Rosa, only two of the staff actually picked on him. He's one of these ones that I I I've discounted him in the past, and he's he's proven me wrong. Um, so that's another that's a, this could be another case too where if if you overlook him, he has the strength and he has the speed uh, to surprise you. Yep. Um, I didn't pick him in this one, but it doesn't mean that I couldn't be wrong. <laughs> no doubt. All right, let's give you a couple other things to look for. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of new names on here and a lot of foreign names, but. Uh, all, it's also on the main card, but uh, Mizuki Inoue is uh, an absolute stud against Wu Yanan. Should be a very fun fight. So I, I think that fight is going to be really fun. So I mean, four out of the five main card fights, I'm I'm pretty excited about. And I'll actually circle back to the other one. I every every fight here on the main card has something for me. But um, to me, um, the 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 one that's kind of buried on here that I'm surprised about, Demir Ishmagulov versus Tiago Moises, way down there on the prelims. And I think part of it was. I mean, I'm just guessing here. I don't get to talk to the matchmakers about why they build the, the fights the way they do, and there's a lot of factors. Some, I mean, sometimes the way the cards are built have to do with local broadcasting rights. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that gets built in, but Demir Esmagulov and Tiago Moises being the third fight of the night, I think is probably 
there's so many newcomers and there's so many uh, you know fight, fighters that nobody's ever really heard of in the start that I think they wanted to bury something down there just to make sure that there was a little bit of interest, that it wasn't just like, uh, you know, hey, here's a bunch of local local ticket sellers that you, that you don't need to watch. Um, but Demir Ishmagulov versus Tiago Moises I think is going to be a phenomenal fight. Um, and I said I would circle back to it. So one thing I started to do, and it's actually kind of made it more exciting for me, I, I started doing a, a, a rookie report. Um, earlier this year, just grading the newcomers, look, looking at the newcomers and kind of um, judging their potential. And to be honest with you, I, I kind of stole the idea from uh, Dan Tom, not that anybody's ever th- not thought about grading people before, but mm-hmm. I like Dan Tom's grading the winners of uh, of the Contender Series, you know, and like, you know, what it looks like their future holds. And, and I like to grade the newcomers, and it gets it gets decent traffic. But at the same time, I understand, you know, a lot of people aren't worried about USC newcomers. But it's fun for me to watch the people I've graded come back in on their second fight to see if I was kind of right about what I saw. So I'll just I'll just point this out. Uh, Most sorry, Valuev, that is the undefeated fighter on the main card. I gave him a B plus. I gave him a B plus on my okay. ranking. So there's your, there's your, I said every fight on the main card has something. So B plus, uh, you know, potential. I'm not saying. Uh, like guaranteed success, but I, I saw something there, so I'm excited to see. And then Derek Krantz, who's going against Song Kanan. Derek Krantz uh, came in on short notice, but showed some things there. I actually gave him an A minus. Really? Him an a minus. So that's a tough fight, right there. Yeah, that is it. He's 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 getting a tough matchup. Yeah, here. that's a tough one. So uh, anyway, anything else? I mean, anything else you're, you're excited about there? I mean, uh, Andre Sukumtat uh, is returning as well. I mean, like I said, I get it. This is going to be one that most people don't watch live with me. But if you're up, if you're up and you're watching live, just know that I am too. Yep. And if you want to hit me on Twitter or whatever, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best to hit you back. Uh, we, we could chat a little bit. Um, but what, what do you feel? What, what, what's your plans? Well, you know, I, you know, I love me some some ladies, so I'm excited to see Mizuki in a way. Mm, uh, she's solid. She is super solid. So I'm super happy to see that one. Uh, Tiago Moises is always a fun one to watch. Yeah, that fight's super um, good. Yeah, I mean, Sukumtat, always good to see that guy. Um, he's a fun, super, super exciting guy. And his Farah, rec- when you look at his Farah Hanoon, he's an American top team now, too. So. Is he really? Yeah, he, he spoke with Farah Hanoon. I was going to say, don't let his records fool you. If you look at, uh, you know, somebody oh. might just look and say, oh, he's 13 and 7. He's probably not that Sukumtat good. Sukumtat is in some fights. He's, he's a fucking warrior, man. He is always exciting to watch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, there's a lot of names here I don't know a lot Fair, about. Nine newcomers, yeah, dude. Yeah, so I'm, nine I'm kind of excited to see. I know if they're, if they're, if they're showing up here, uh, this is always a, a great opportunity for fighters uh, to really showcase it. And it's like one of those fights that uh, they're always like, oh, you know, it's a so-and-so card in so-and-so country, so I'm probably not going to watch it. But these fighters, I think they just use it. To, they know that this is my shot. This is the only other chance I'm going to get. They're in my backyard, or they're in my somewhat part of the country of the world. Yep. <laughs> so they show up and they just bring it. So I'm I'm assuming that that is going to happen here. Um, so the, yeah, there's a lot of fighters with great records. So I mean, it should be a fun fun night. So or morning, super <laughs> early morning. <laughs> That's it, super early morning. All right, a couple of things. Uh, a lot of people have been asking about USC 243. And is it getting another title fight? Is it getting a bigger co-main event? Um, I, I don't. I got to be honest. I don't think it is. It's selling well. Uh, our man Lucas McIver, by the way, hit me up, and he said there are only 4,800 unsold seats right now. Wow. Now I have no idea who his sources are, but I can tell you, Lucas is connected. My man Lucas knows. 
So he says there's only 4,800. There's only um, 11 fights booked right now. I know. And so that's what a lot of people are asking. They got What's it, it going to get? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think ideally, ideally, they would add Holloway Volkanovsky. Like, I think if there was any way to pull that off, mm-hmm. they would have. But I think they obviously knew that it was going to be difficult. And, you know, Holloway uh, ultimately decided, look, I'm, I'm not ready. And, and that's and that, and that's totally fair. Put nothing Where's on him. Where's your boy Tui Vasa at? <laughs> Tui Vasa is on there. Is he on there? Yeah, Where? he's on there. But, oh, he's uh, way down there. What is he oh, doing so far down there? They got him way down there. I was like, why is he not up there? That's why I didn't think he was on there because I didn't scroll down far enough. Oh man, I know, but really? we're talking at this point, man. At this point, we're talking about you know, four, what, four or five weeks out. I, I just don't think you're gonna have uh, any more high level fights announced in five weeks' time. I just, it's just kind of a gut feeling. I, don't, I, I haven't spoken That's to anybody true. about that. That's but true. if Lucas is right and there's only 4,800 seats unsold uh, in that stadium, it's not like they need it. But 11 fights is that's odd number. Yeah, I think no, I think they'll get another fight or two, but I just don't think it's going to be a title fight. Yeah, people are wanting a title fight or a, you know a, a a real co-main as they say, which by the way, it's not a bad co-main right now, man. It's not. It's a no, good, it's a it's a good fight. Yeah, I mean when you look at the the top three fights, I mean those are really good fights. Uh, and then as you go down the lines, I mean there's good names. I mean the, people aren't going to be clamoring, but I mean. The Australians are awesome about showing up for events. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I think you could have just had the top fight, and I think they probably would have sold that's out. That's it, I mean, and I think that's what the USC realized. That yeah. fight is so big, it's basically we're going to make it a one-fight card. Uh, yeah. I will say one thing Australia is getting, the MMA Roadshow in, uh-huh. in yeah. whole. Uh, the, the full the full combination the full set is going we're going we're going back to the our our, our uh, second home yeah we've been we've been adopted uh in australia in the past so uh looking to uh rejoin with the family over there i haven't even told any of those cats yet so i'm looking forward to that seeing we're like that we're that we're both going nice. that we're going so yeah that's always fun so yeah shout out to the uh hardcore uh junkie and roadshow fans over there man that, there's a great great mma uh support over there i mean like that was one of the first places when i worked with the ufc that was the first place i ever went to that i saw like a sort of the the fight club fan club thing where they literally uh had their own thing going outside of the ufc's like uh fight club all this other stuff i mean they had their own like watch parties and get togethers throughout the fight week i mean their support is amazing and and that was my first uh, view into how big uh, MMA in the UFC is in Australia was seeing the support of that. So every time we've gone there, uh, it's always been uh, a really good time. So I'm, I'm very excited to get back and uh, and uh, to see the our Australian family, our Australian brothers and sisters I'm over too. there. I bet we'll have a frosty beverage or two down there. At least two. All right. Uh, last <laughs> couple of things because we've been talking for a long time. But it's good to be back together, man. I've been, it like, is I've been good. rolling solo, man. That first man. hour was, was good, and it was heavy, man. Like, I felt like we needed to talk about a lot of stuff because we talked about, yeah. you know, like even with just like the BJ and, and a lot of the other stuff. The first hour was heavy, it's but heavy. it was a lot of good stuff to, to go. But, yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is just the fact that we're finally here and then we can actually talk about some stuff, you know. So. Which we won't be next week because this was so good. We, why would we do it again? We were like, ah, can't follow it up. <laughs> By the way, next week uh, – well, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, two, two quick things. Uh, CM Punk, my man CM Punk, my broadcast partner, he is starring in a movie called Girl on the Third Floor. <laughs> go check out the trailer. It came out this week on YouTube, Girl on the Third Floor. It looks scary as hell. It is a horror movie, and it really? looks super 
super, super scary. Is he scary. a bad guy? Is he so just go check a, that is out. He, is he a victim? He's not a bad guy. And, is he a victim? Does he get killed? He's 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 clean shaven. He doesn't have a beard. Interesting. Go check it out. But he's always kind of had like I mean he's some his beard. I mean does he just he's more of like a goatee sort of. I thing, don't know. I only know him with the beard. I've never seen. I don't follow. I guess his yeah. I guess he does. Yeah. I guess so. So go check it out. Go check it out. Uh, go check out Girl on the Third Floor. I'm telling you, the trailer looks scary as hell. Does it? Uh, super scary. Do you uh, see him in the trailer? Oh yeah. He's the star- he's not he's it's not a bit piece. He's starring in it. No shit. Yeah. He's starring in it. He actually was talking to me about so is it. He the ba- is he like uh is he the killer? No, no, I guess I I wouldn't say the victim. I he's like just he's like this like the things are happening around him, I guess. Interesting. At least that's what I can tell from the the thing from the trailer. Interesting. I wonder if it's like kind of like a playoff of well, I guess I'll have to see the trailer. Makes me think of like who was it Hitchcock had uh uh shit, what was the one where the guy was in his uh, apartment but he'd look across the way and he sees like a murder or something then mm. somehow he gets brought into it. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense, man. It's intense. Definitely worth checking out, man. Uh, I'll make you watch this. Wow, I, sh- so I should have made you watch it before it. we got yeah. started. But no, he's a star. We were talking about it a lot when we did the CFFC event last week. Uh, it, it, we were talking about it. So, good for uh, him. Yeah. I'm, so shit's rolling cool. for him. Good for him. He's doing good. Also, I've had a couple of people, uh, I've seen it on, on Twitter, social media, or whatever, uh, wondering why MMA Junkie isn't covering the anti piracy lawsuit that's happening here, the hearings this week. Trust me, we'll have coverage. We're just not covering every day. Yes, I pre- I appreciate the outlets that are, um, and mm. some of them are are absolute experts in it, man. And uh, I appreciate what they are bringing to the game. Uh, your bloody elbows of the world, your uh, you know th- those they've been doing some phenomenal work. Uh, but trust me, we will have coverage. We're just I will admit that we are not the economic experts that some of them are, and so that's why we haven't had coverage on a daily basis. I didn't basis. even know what was going on. But when it concludes, see, there you go. Don't watch Connor. Doesn't know. <laughs> that's why you host an MMA podcast because <laughs> it talks about cleaning our balls and drinking beer. I got that shit down. I got that shit down. My balls is clean, oh, and I got my beer down. Thank you, Manscaped. All right, listen. Uh, all right, uh, I'll be in Abu Dhabi next week, so I'll be out there. Mike Bond will be out there. Fatha Noon will be there. We'll make sure we get her on there so you can hear her debut Someday I'll on meet the her. Roadshow. Someday I'll meet her. You will. You will. Is One this your day. first time meeting her? Yes, first oh, time meeting her. Cool. No, no, no. Actually, I met her in London a long time ago oh, okay. uh, before she was, I mean, like four years ago. Uh, cool. You will be in San Jose. They call it San Jose. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't get that right. <laughs> you will be there in San Jose, Jose. Uh, covering Bellator. So we'll uh, we'll make sure and bring you some covers. The MMA Roadshow is, is uh, bringing you everything from both sides of the planet. That's how we do. In the meantime, we're just going to finish up these frosty beverages. Mm. Make sure my broken toe is not hurting too bad. I might just go and clean my balls again. It might as well. I mean, you got <laughs> Thank it you, Manscaped. Thank, Thank you, Manscaped. If you, go clean your balls. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>